obviously this was years before we ever had kids so there it was purely hypothetical at the time and i was very much like oh i want to help as much as possible then we switched sides a little bit where i was like ah, oh, it's not as important to me and then it started to become more important to her once we started having children and now we're kind of both on the same page this is techie personal finance boot camp where i help tech professionals in their 20s and 30s balance a great life today without sacrificing their future possibilities I'm your host, Lucas Caceres, Certified Financial Planner and founder of Level Up Financial Planning, where I help educate, coach, and build strategies with my clients to help them take their financial confidence to the next level. Here's an important compliance disclosure. This podcast is for informational purposes only and are not to be considered recommendations. It is recommended you consult your trusted financial professional before implementing any information obtained from the Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. Welcome to Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. I'm excited. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about college savings plans, also called 529 plans. And this is a a popular topic. I haven't had a chance to cover it yet because most of my clients don't have children as of yet. Most of my clients are just kind of getting married and buying their first homes and they haven't yet had their first child. So it hasn't been a huge topic, but I know in the next handful of years, this is going to start becoming more and more popular with my existing clients, as well as I'm sure I'll, I'll start to run into clients that just already have children and have the question of, well, what should I be doing for college savings if that's something that's important to you? I can't dive into all of the complexity of whether or not you should save for college or how much you should be saving specifically, but what we'll, we'll do in this episode, just focus on the 529 plan and the education and information you need on this. I'm actually in the process of working on a, a much bigger ebook for that topic. And the reason for that is I know it is complex. My wife and I, before we got married and we were thinking about getting married and having kids and what life was going to look like, we were on opposite ends. She didn't feel that she wanted to, to pay for our children's education. Obviously, this was years before we ever had kids, so there, it was purely hypothetical at the time. And I was very much like, oh, I want to help as much as possible. Then we switched sides a little bit where I was like, ah, it's not as important to me. And then it started to become more important to her once we started having children. And now we're kind of both on the same page of, we want to help them as much as we can, but we also want to try to balance life now and and into the future. And you can have whatever direction you want to head, but I just wanted to give you that quick story and background to let you know I don't I'm not biased in one direction or another sure there's my opinions of how I'm going to be doing it but really what it comes down to is your goals not just the, the college goals but all the other goals that you have going on and how those things are going to relate stay tuned though make sure that you're subscribed to my newsletter so you can see when that ebook goes out it's going to be a, a free one that's I'm just going to push out to all my subscribers and if if things don't get too crazy here, I'm going to plan to have that out in the next month, month and a half or so. But again, we'll we'll dive into the 529 plan and kind of see how valuable this could be if college savings is a priority for you, or even if it's something that you think may be a priority. Like I said, things can change. And that's one of the, the beauties about financial planning is it gives you confidence with what's possible. And then it allows you to pivot and understand like, well, if you go a different route, how is that going to impact things, at least on a financial standpoint? Why would you maybe consider saving for college? There's a few good reasons for it. The the biggest one is we just had our daughter, Eleanor, three weeks ago. And 
for any child born this year, 2020, the future estimated cost for a college degree would be $219,294. So that's out into the future. And the reason for that is because the average, the national average right now, if you include room and board and all that fun stuff, is $22,261 about per year. And if we increase that about 5% every single year, that's kind of the inflation with college. It tends to go up faster than normal inflation that you experience with a lot of the other expenses. So that, that's where that $219,000 comes from. And one interesting fact is that 5%, that's actually being a little bit generous with our projections. What college has been increasing by has actually been 8%. So if that continues, if the recent averages of 8% increases every single year continues between now and when Eleanor turns 18, 19, 20, and 21, that cost would be $371,151. So you can see just a 3% higher increase per year every single year for the next few years. That number is increased. It's it's more than it's almost doubled at that point. It's pretty ridiculous. And that's one reason why you may want to consider helping your child kind of with that college education expense. Another kind of factor of that is student loans. I know most people listening are very intimately familiar with student loans. I am myself as well as most of my clients. And I don't know if you know the stats, but it's pretty eye-popping. It's the outstanding debt right now for student loans in 2020 is $1.6 trillion with a T and a capital T because it's that's a lot of money. <laughs> and it is the second largest U.S. debt behind only mortgages. That's been the case for the last handful of years now. Uh, ever since I started Level Up Financial Planning about three years ago, uh, that was already the case where U.S. student loan debt was the second largest debt behind mortgages and it just continues to grow every single year. The average balance of students is 32731 That's a pretty crazy average there. And the average payment is $393 a month. That's a pretty, pretty hefty amount that whoever has that student loan is going to be paying for the next 10, sometimes 20 years. And yeah, that's, that's something you want to be aware of. And if these things are growing, they're growing faster than the debt that we're experiencing now. Those numbers are going to look dramatically higher potentially for our children. With that, we'll dive specifically into the 529s now. So now you know, well, maybe maybe why it, some people, it's very important for them to uh, save for college. And some people too, they look at those numbers, they're like, holy moly, we're, like, we're never, we're never going to get to that point. So why even try? If it's important to you, any little bit helps. And that's why this episode is going to be talking about how, how you can do it, some of the ways that you can do it and do it as efficiently as possible, and some of those alternatives. What a 529 plan is, it is a college savings plan. Each state have their own. And for the most part, they're similar across states. The unique benefit that 529 college savings plans has is anything that you put in and it grows. So as it grows, you're never going to end up paying taxes on that. It's tax-free growth as long as it's used for qualified education expenses. That is super important to know that you get some free kind of tax growth there. And that's not something that you get in most other places where you could potentially put your money. But at the end of this episode, I'm going to talk to you a few alternatives that you may want to consider. Some states, again, they are unique. So they all have their own different plans and they have their own different structures. Some are easier to use online than others. Some have higher fees than others. The most, one of the most important things when you're evaluating this is if your state has 
a benefit or a tax benefit where it can reduce your state taxes. This is super important if you have a high tax rate in your state and high income and it's kind of a painful. If this is a priority for you, you may want to take advantage of that state tax deduction. Uh, so you'll want to make sure that that is available in your state. In total, there's actually 34 states that allow state tax deductions. And most of the time that requires that you live in the state and you have the 529 plan for that state. So that's important to be aware of. There are a few situations, a few states where they allow tax parity, which means they don't care if you contribute to another state's 529 plan. You still get the state tax deduction for the state that you're living in. And those states are Arizona, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, and Pennsylvania. But again, if there is no state tax deduction, then you really are open to choose from any of the state plans. It, it makes sense to explore these again because they do work a little bit differently. You'll want to see what their investment options are. There's a lot of online sites that evaluate these every single year and they'll tell you if, if the fees are higher than normal or if the investment options are better than the average one. You can quickly analyze these things and find out how they all compare to each other relative to what you're going to be choosing. And be on the lookout for fees. Fees varies substantially, and it could make something where your plan in your state just really doesn't make sense if they don't offer a state tax deduction and the fees are a little bit ridiculous compared to some other alternatives, then that's something to be aware of. And if you use an out-of-state 529 plan, sometimes there's additional fees because you're not a resident of that state. So that's a big factor whenever you're looking to open up these accounts or any accounts is to make sure you know what those fees look like and how they compare relative to your other options. Another big question with 529 plans is, do they impact your financial aid eligibility and specifically to the, your child, the student that's going to be applying for the financial aid? And it does potentially. So it counts towards the parent's assets. Right now there is asset protection allowance and that number changes every single year and it changes based on the parent's age. So it's something that you would want to look up for your specific situation. It's hard to look out into the future 18 years from now for like my children because those numbers are all changing. They've been changing drastically every single year. It's possible that unless there's some type of reform that the S protection that you think that you may be eligible for now, when your child is actually at that age, it, it may not be very as powerful as you were hoping or expecting. But what the asset protection allowance does currently is anything below this amount that's a parent asset doesn't get included in, in the calculation. So make sure you keep an eye on that and track those things. Anything that goes above that asset protection allowance amount though is going to reduce financial aid by 5.645%. It's a word percentage. Again, all this stuff is going to be subject to change by the time our children actually go to school, but this is how things stand currently with financial aid and how that's structured. Another thing that's important to know though is withdrawals. As long as you're used for education expenses, withdrawals from these 529 plans do not count as income, which is a very important factor when on your financial aid. The fact that it's counted as an asset, which there's not as big of an impact as what income would have an impact on. That's good to know that at least when it is factored in, it's factored in in the least painful way, the least negative way. And when you do make withdrawals to pay for that education, let's say for freshman year, it's not going to have a, an impact at all on financial aid because it's not going to be considered income. It's being used for education purposes. You've already kind of factored 
in the balance and for the parent's assets. So that's how things kind of work out there. Another important factor to be aware of is grandparent owned accounts do not count towards the parent assets, which is kind of nice early on the, the first couple of years. But what happens there and something that you want to watch out for if you do have a grandparent that is going to be helping with these college expenses is withdrawals from the grandparents 529 plan to pay for your college expenses for your child. Those could be considered untaxed student income and those do reduce the financial aid currently by 50%. That could be a huge surprise if you don't navigate that correctly. Because of the unique way that FAFSA looks back at your previous income, for example, anyone that's going to be going to school for the, the fall of 2020, they actually look at the 2018 income tax return. And that gives you a little bit of strategy and room where if the grandparent waits until kind of that last last year or the last two years of college, so the junior and senior year, then that may be a way of that income just being ignored during that time period because it's going to be looking back almost about two years. It's about a year and a half to previous to those semesters and college years. And that's important to, to know and understand that there's a strategy you can use to get around this. If grandparents were planning on paying for the full amount, then it gets a little bit trickier because you, you probably do just want to pay for that. But I guess if you do have that type of problem, then the financial aid isn't going to be as much of an issue anyways. If grandparents are just going to pay for it, then that financial aid may not be that important. Those are basically the fundamentals, how 529 plans work and how they could impact financial aid. One of the big questions that people have when it comes to 529 plans is, what if my child doesn't go to college? And that's a legitimate concern. There's so many different routes and options that children can decide to go once that time comes. And there's a few options. One of the nice things is it can also be used for trade or vocational studies. For example, like something like electrician school, it could actually be used to cover those expenses as well. Another nice benefit is you can actually change the beneficiary. So just because you named it for this one specific child, if you have other children, you can kind of recategorize this for one of the other children. If they end up going to school and the other child does not, you can put it under your name or your spouse's name as well. If you're looking to do kind of additional education, that is also a nice benefit that people are able to lean back on and feel a little bit more confident, a little bit more flexibility in the 529 plans and how they work. The The only downside when it comes to the 529 plan is there is a 10% penalty and taxes on the earnings. So that is important to be aware of that if you've received tax benefits from the state, that's something that you'd have to pay back as well because obviously they were giving you tax benefits up front. One last piece, and this is another question that people are worried about when it comes to 529 plans is what if you're child does awesome in sports or some other aspects where they get a full ride. So they get scholarships that cover everything. There's a cool kind of feature with your 529 plan that if you're able to prove that they received kind of a full scholarship, then you actually can withdraw without penalty. So this isn't grandparents paying, this isn't receiving an inheritance and using that to pay. That doesn't qualify as a scholarship. But if they legitimately receive a scholarship to pay for their full education costs, well, that is going to be proof that you can actually withdraw from your 529 and not have to pay any sort of penalty there. So that's 
hopefully could give you peace of mind, especially if you feel that your child is going to be uh, really great either at the, the education part, the academics or sports or any other kind of way that you could get those full ride scholarships for education. This last part of this episode is I'm going to cover the alternative accounts that you could use instead of using a college 529 plan, especially if you don't get an in-state tax deduction, there's other strategies. You could use a Roth account. Traditionally, Roth accounts are for your retirement account, but there's some nice features where you can actually take out the contributions without any penalty. And since they're your contributions that were made after tax dollars, there's no tax impact. So that's uh, always a interesting strategy. You could just use some of your other retirement accounts and for those distributions as well during that time, you can use non-retirement accounts. So don't put it in a retirement account. Don't put it in a college savings account and you can put it in a non-retirement account. One of the issues there is you don't get as favorable tax treatment. Any gains would be taxed at capital gains rates. And if you're receiving dividends and income from that, then that could be income tax as well uh, on those returns. Not as efficient from a tax standpoint, but it is just kind of a one way to not be tied to retirement, not be tied to college and just have flexibility and choice over how you want to use that. But then you can just use a, a regular savings account too. Problem with the savings account is you get 0.05% interest currently. With the time horizon, especially if you have a child born now, you may want to be a little bit more aggressive and try to get a growth rate of greater than 0.05%. That would be my kind of thoughts on that. One of the things you want to think about too, just because it does tie into the college 529 plan and whether or not you're going to be investing those funds. If you're investing those funds, as time gets closer, make sure you keep an eye on your investment philosophy and your investment style because you will likely want to reduce the risk as your child gets closer to age 18 when they would likely use those funds for those expenses. And the reason for that is because volatility can hit at any time and you don't want the account to be greatly impacted and reduced right when you're about to need the funds. I'm not going to tell you specifically how to invest that because that's up to you and your comfort level and everything that you have going on. But just be aware that the amount of risk that you're willing to take now compared to when they get closer 18 should probably be a little bit different unless you're just a, a gambler and don't mind if there's a, a chance of you losing a substantial amount right before you need those funds. That's the last thing I wanted to add there. Make sure you subscribe on my email newsletter because you will be notified as soon as I get the more kind of comprehensive, how much should you be saving for your college savings? And it's gonna tackle a lot of other things and even a lot more in depth too than what I went. This was very focused on that 529 plan, but there's a lot of other things to think about and consider when you're trying to juggle this priority with probably a lot of other goals and priorities that you have going on. Feel free to reach out if I can be of assistance. Thank you so much for listening to Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. You can find show notes by visiting levelupfinancialplanning.com and finding the podcast page. You'll also be able to find strategy guides, videos, and cheat sheets to help you take your financial confidence to the next level. If you feel this episode has added a ton of value for you, please rate and share this with friends and colleagues. Catch you next time on Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp.